What's poppin' people? Welcome back to Sunday School. Sunday School's a show where we film in the rainiest or windiest days because we're just bad filmmakers. So, you know, you gotta forgive me if I, my hair looks a little weird, you know? Blame God, blame the wind, don't blame me. So Sunday School's a show where we read through the Bible and we try to understand what God's word means and how we can apply it to our lives. So we've been reading through the book of Romans and in this episode, we're gonna be continuing Romans chapter four where we left off last time. I'm gonna close this till we start reading it so the wind doesn't blow around the pages and all that. But in Romans four where we left off, the apostle Paul was starting to get into the Old Testament. See, what we've established so far in the book of Romans is the foundations of the gospel. And the foundations of the gospels, you got to believe like there is a God and you got to believe that God's going to send good people to heaven, bad people to hell. The third thing you got to acknowledge is that all people have sinned. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as it says in Romans 3, 23. And so Paul says in Romans chapter 3, That because we've all sinned, God sent his one and only son, Jesus, at least that's how we know him, and he sent his son to redeem the world. And the way that he redeemed the world is that Jesus offered himself up and took our place and took our punishment in hell. See, we have all sinned, we all deserve to go to hell, but what Jesus did is he offered himself up and said, I'll go to hell in your place. And so that's what Jesus did. If anyone ever asks, you know, what did Jesus do? How did Jesus die for us? That's how he died for us. And so in Romans chapter four, Paul started getting into proving this to Jewish people using the Old Testament. See, many Jews and many Christians today, but back then it was mainly just the Jews because Gentiles had no concept of the Bible at all and no concept of, you know, Yahweh, no concept of God, no concept of religion. Man, the wind's blowing around these papers, bro. But they had no concept of Christianity, so they weren't questioning it. But people today, Gentiles today, like me, they might question the gospel and they'll say, Jesus makes it very clear in the book of Matthew that we need to follow the law to get to heaven and that sinners go to hell. You're telling me that you can just go on sinning and you'll still go to heaven? Right, and obviously we're not telling people to go on sinning either. But what we are telling people is that just keeping the law is not sufficient to go to heaven. Keeping the Ten Commandments, the commandments that God gave us, that's not sufficient to get right with God. We need something more. But many Christians and Jews, they'll go into the Old Testament and they'll pull up all these verses saying, oh, but it says sinners go to hell. Where does it say in the Old Testament that we can be saved by faith? Where does Jesus say we can be saved by faith? And so Paul is going into Old Testament, into the book of Genesis, then he went to the book of Psalms, and he talked about how Abraham was counted righteous by God through faith. So right here in Genesis 15, it says, And the Lord brought him forth abroad and said, Now look towards heaven and tell the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, So shall your seed be. So the Lord says to Abraham, 
that I'm going to make your descendants as many as there are stars in the sky and grains of sand on the earth, right? And in verse 6, it says, And he believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. Right, so in the beginning of chapter 4, Paul cites that verse and says, See, Abraham, he was not justified in the eyes of God because he was a righteous man because by all accounts he's not a righteous man he cheated on his wife he's a liar so he's a sinner right he sins but because he believed God decided he would look past all of Abraham's shortcomings and count his faith as righteousness so then he talks about how David in the Psalms he writes about the blessedness of the man who God won't count their sins, that God will not, you know, count them as unrighteous, even though they are unrighteous, and will instead account them as being righteous, despite, you know, their failings, their shortcomings. So Paul says, does this blessedness come upon the circumcision only, or the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith has reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. So what he's asking is, does this apply to Jewish people only, or does this apply to everyone? Right, and many Christians today, they have that same question. There's lots of people that believe, like the black Hebrew Israelites, that they're black and they're not Jewish. So they lie and they say, uh, actually, black people are Jews. And so, you know, Jewish people are the only ones they can get into heaven. And the reason he refers to it as circumcision and uncircumcision is because if you're familiar with Jewish practices, Jews are commanded in the Old Testament to circumcise themselves. And so all Jews, they're circumcised. So one of the main ways that you can distinguish a Jew from a non-Jew, I mean, not that you would necessarily be looking there, but one of the ways you could distinguish them is by whether or not they're circumcised. So he says, let's look at Abraham. How was it reckoned then? when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision not in circumcision but uncircumcision and he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet been uncircumcised that he might be the father of all them that believe though they be not circumcised that righteousness might be imputed unto them also See, Abraham is considered the father of the Jews. You know, Jewish people, they'll consider themselves children of Abraham. We read about this in the New Testament. The Jews will say to Jesus, we're not sinners, we're children of Abraham. But something to consider is that Abraham's in heaven, but Abraham never followed the law. Abraham wasn't alive when Moses was alive. You know, Moses came about like 400 years after Abraham died, if not more. Never even saw the Ten Commandments. He might have had some conception of the Ten Commandments, but he had no commandments given to him. And this race of people called the Jews didn't exist until long after he was dead. It was his grandson who was first named Israel right? And that's what the nation of Israel is named after, that guy, Israel. So if you want proof that non-Jews can get to heaven, Abraham, Isaac, Sarah, they're all great evidence that this is true. And of course, we know Noah's probably in heaven. And Noah wasn't a Jew. He was you know, living like a thousand years before Abraham. So if you ever encounter a black Hebrew Israelite or 
a Christian identity person, anyone like that, you just point them to Abraham, you just point them to Noah, that he might be the father of all them believe, though they be not circumcised, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through righteousness of faith. Right? Abraham didn't receive the promise. It wasn't made to him that his great, 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 great grandchild would be the Messiah. That wasn't given to him because he was like some good person or something or because he was so great. Right? Like I said, like 10 times now during this series, Abraham sinned. It was made to him because he believed. Because he had faith, God blessed him. And so just like how Abraham believed in God and he got blessed with the promise, if we believe in God, we believe in Jesus, the son of God, we will be blessed with the same promise made to Abraham. Now, of course, you know, not literally the same promise, like our great, 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 great grandchild isn't going to be the Messiah, but that, you know, we'll partake in the Messiah. We're going to partake in what Jesus did. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. And the promise is made of none effect, because the law works wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Right, like we established in the last episode, the law is only capable of condemning people, right? You read the Ten Commandments, it doesn't say that if you keep the Ten Commandments, if you don't kill anyone, you're going to go to heaven. If you don't hate your neighbor, you're going to go to heaven. If you, it just says that if you kill someone, you're going to go to hell. It says, if you steal, you're going to go to hell. If you do this, you do that. There's something bad's going to happen to you. There's no good thing that comes out of the law. The only good thing that comes out of the law is that it gives us like the awareness of morality, right? The only good thing that comes out of the 10 commandments is that we can know right from wrong. We can know good and evil, but that's it. So this promise that's made to us, that's extended to us from Abraham, it can't come through keeping the law. Because if you just read the text of the 613 commandments, plainly read them, it never says in there that keeping these commandments will make you receive the promise and make you go to heaven. It just says that if you break the commandments, you're going to go to hell, right? And that's the ultimate issue. That's the reason we need Jesus is because we've all sinned. We've all broken the commandments. If we just stay in the state we are, we're going to go to hell and there's nothing we can do about it. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to only that which is of the law, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations before him who believed even in God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. So just a little uh, insight for when you're reading the Bible. If you're reading the King James Version, that's what I use when I read the Bible because I think it's the best English translation of the Bible. When it says quickens the dead, quickens, that word means he's bringing the dead back to life. So it doesn't mean he makes them fast, okay? It means he makes them live. 
But at the end of this verse, verse 17, it says something interesting. And it gives us a lot of insight into God and into salvation, into Christianity. It says that God calls those things which be not as though they were. See, what a lot of people don't understand is that God can break the laws of logic. If you want just a great example of that, most Christians, you guys believe in the Trinity, right? How is one plus one plus one equal one? How is God three people, right? It's clear God can do as he pleases. And this is making a statement right here that God can call things what they are not. Right, and we know God's all-powerful. Whatever God says goes. If God says, let there be light, there's going to be light. If God says, let there be water, let there be land, water comes into existence, land comes into existence. If God says he's going to part the Red Sea, the Red Sea parts. God can call things which are not as though they were. And that's what he's doing to us. That's what he does to the Christian who believes the gospel. He calls us righteous, even though we're not righteous. And it occurs to me now that I'm reading this, that I've really been repeating myself over and over again for the past like two episodes. But that's the thing about the word of God, right? It's redundant. It repeats itself over and over and over again in a million different ways so that it gets through your thick skull that this is what it's trying to say. So that even if you're reading like a crappy translation, you're reading the NIV, you're reading some white nationalist Bible, it'll still say what it means because it's redundant enough that even if they mistranslate one or two verses, you can't get them all. So he's still talking about Abraham and he says this, he says, who against hope, Abraham against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be and being not weak in faith he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old neither yet the deadness of sarah's womb see what god promised abraham initially is that he was going to have a child right and as I talked about in the last episode, Abraham had a huge problem, a huge struggle in his walk with God. Him and his wife were old as dirt. They were in their hundreds. You know, they were in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s throughout the story. And on top of that, Abraham's wife, Sarah, she could have never had children because she had something wrong with her. There was maybe she got some kind of injury. We don't know what happened to her, but she was incapable of having kids. No matter how many times they tried when they were younger, they couldn't have kids. And so they were childless. But God said, you and Sarah, you're going to have this baby. And what Paul's saying is that despite all the evidence pointing to this being impossible that he'll never have a kid he still believed in god he staggered not at the promise of god through unbelief but was strong in faith giving glory to god and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, 
to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered from our offenses and was raised again for our justification. See, nothing in the Bible is just written just to be there. Even those long lists of names that are there, it's all written for us to gain something out of it. We might not know what each story in the Bible means necessarily. It might be hard for us to understand, but Paul says here that everything is written in here for a purpose and that there's something to take away from it. And in the story of Abraham, it's not just a story of how the Jews came to be. It's not just a story of some guy who was a cowboy living in, uh, you know, 6,000 BC or, you know, whenever, 3,000 BC, late, the late Bronze Age, right? I don't, I don't know when the Bronze Age was. I, I, I forget. Okay. <laughs> Listen, history class might have been my favorite subject, but I'm not good with those numbers. You know what I'm saying? But it wasn't just written to be a historical account, but it was written so we could gain a lesson. And what Abraham went through is exactly what we all have to go through as Christians. See, Abraham's main problem throughout his story is that he struggles to believe God's promise. Now, it says in Romans here that he did believe God, and that's because eventually Abraham did learn to trust God. But before he learned to trust God, he did some evil stuff. He cheated on his wife with this maid that I believe was named Hagar, could be wrong. And he slept with her and they had a child together. And this ended up almost breaking up his whole marriage because Sarah, though she initially consented to letting Abraham do this, realized, you know, this is my husband and I'm letting him, you know, take care of this other woman and sleep with this other woman and so it ends up tearing apart his whole household and he ends up having to take his son away from the house and take his uh technically his wife away from the house the mother of his son and the reason abraham struggled to believe in god is because his physical reality went against everything god said god said you and your wife, you're going to have a kid together. And this kid, he's going to be the father of many nations. But Abraham couldn't believe it because he was a hundred years old. He could barely produce seed out of his body. And his wife, Sarah, couldn't have children since they've been married. How could they possibly have a child? And that's the struggle that Abraham's having. And that mirrors the struggle that we're having as Christians. Because God says to us, he says, you're righteous. You're a good person. You deserve to go to heaven. Jesus died for you. And because of that, you're now righteous. Right? But our physical reality that we're living in right now totally contradicts what God says. I sin every day, and they might not be as major as when I first got saved, but I still sin every day. I, I say things that I shouldn't say, think things I shouldn't think. And not only that, but before I got saved for my whole life, I was a 
way worse sinner than anyone could even imagine, right? I used to run around with some gang of hooligans. We would go around vandalizing people's houses, stealing people's dirt bikes, and even just stealing stuff that we had no need for whatsoever, like kleptomania or something like that. Just doing like evil, twisted things to people. So my physical reality, I'm a sinner. I'm not righteous. In fact, I would be the opposite of righteous. I am the least righteous person there is. I'm unrighteous. But God says to me, my son has made you righteous. I've made you righteous. I've made you a good person. But our physical reality, your physical reality, mine, it contradicts what God says. In our reality, we're sinners. And so we struggle to believe in God. But if like Abraham, that against hope, against all logic, we believe in what God has said, that we have been made righteous, that Jesus has paid the price for our sins, that we're not going to be condemned. If we believe that the same way Abraham believed that he would have a child, then just like what happened to Abraham, how he really did receive a child with his wife, Sarah, and his wife, Sarah, gave birth at the age of 90, then we, just like Abraham, will receive God's promise. And we will be righteous. We will be accepted by God. We will be called his son. And we'll be accepted into his family. And God will love you.